a few a few years ago, I went on my first trip to Italy, and I went with some friends who were living in West Africa at the time. We met in uh, Rome, and we drove north up to the northern portion of Italy, which is beautiful and mountainous. And um, one of the things that I noticed, again, it was my first time, was all of the vineyards. You know, they were just huge, beautiful. And this was striking to me because I am from uh, low country, South Carolina, where there are not vineyards. The only thing that I had seen are like scuppernon vines in people's backyards. And um, some of y'all might know that one vineyard off of I-95 in North Carolina, not a beautiful vineyard. Sorry if you own that. Uh, <laughs> you have some work to do. Uh, so those were the only vineyards I had ever seen. And when I got to Italy, it was just amazing. You know, they, they go from... Um, from the over hills and they go up to the sides of mountains and they go to the corners of roads and rivers and they're just incredibly beautiful. And this is the image that scripture gives us today in our readings. It's the image of what the kingdom of God actually looks like. It's an enormous vineyard where God himself tends it and he grows it and he keeps it. And he makes his people to expand across the mountains and the valleys in order that they would bless the world with shade and with wine. That's the image. We see it all over scripture. And it's such a profound image because I think it reveals so truthfully and beautifully his purpose for us, for his vineyard, that we would expand, grow, and that we would bless the world. The character of our preparation for the coming of Jesus in this Advent season should look like a vineyard. And I think, what a profound image. What a profound image. Except that if you're being honest, when I look at my own heart and my own preparation, I think I would probably not characterize it as a vineyard. As I imagined what it might look like, I came up with uh, tumbleweed and uh, maybe a briar patch. That looks more of the character of my my preparation. And the the reason that um, there's such a dissonance for me is because... The coming again of Jesus, which again is what Advent is all about, can feel so distant, can feel so theoretical and almost abstract. So the, the question that this comparison begs is, how do we actually sustain an active or a living hope as we look to the coming again of Christ? How do we sustain our hope as we labor in this vineyard that we've been given, the church? And our psalm today actually reveals three important ways that we can do this. Move in sequential measure. If we can put it up there, actually, it might be good to. I, I realize that we're working with a different translation, but it doesn't matter, actually. They're all working from the same text. So, the first way that this Psalm, Psalm 80, shows us how to live into Advent hope is by committing ourselves to honesty. Psalm 80 is this prayer of restoration. It's a psalm about a period in Israel's history where they were falling apart. And the, the section at the beginning where it mentions Ephraim and uh, Benjamin and Manasseh, those are northern tribes of Israel. So it tips us off to the context. Israel is, is being uh, punished for their sins. They're falling apart, and the northern kingdom is being exiled by Assyria. And so the writer of this psalm recognizes what's going on, and he does something profound. He's absolutely honest about their condition. He realizes this isn't a problem with just the northern kingdom. It's a problem for all of us. He writes, You fed us with the bread of tears. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors. Our enemies laugh at us. 
You see, he recognizes that their terrible condition is their own problem. And for me, I think in this Advent season, a few days away from Christmas, actually, less than 48 hours, maybe, close. My math isn't good. You can figure it out. It can be so much easier, again, this is me, maybe it's you, to just glide through the holidays with this kind of nostalgic blanket wrapped around me to, to, to ward off any of the real problems that the season might bring. I can effectively sort of resist any of the real issues at hand uh, by engaging in memories and sentiments that are whitewashed with hindsight and just push all that is real away. But this is exactly what the psalmist does not do. He brings his problems to God. And of course, most of us know that this strategy actually doesn't work that well. In the first place, we have these moments of quiet, or we have moments where we're with friends or family that are difficult or challenging. Maybe we experience legitimate losses during this season, and this season conjures up and reminds us of those losses. And the nostalgia sort of breaks, doesn't it? It sort of falls apart. It can't really lift up or carry us through the real problems. Nostalgia will not work. And that's why the psalmist and the psalms really in general, they show us to be honest with God. And so if you in this Advent season feel like things are not quite right, or maybe you're distrustful in nostalgia, that's exactly where you should be. That's where you should be in the Advent season. Because you see, that's the first antidote to a lethargic hope in Christ coming again. Honesty. It's the real soil of hope. Honesty before God. But that's not all that this psalm teaches, teaches us about to, how to hope. There's more. It's not just about this honesty that revives us. It's also about looking back. The second way that the psalmist shows us how to restore our hope in Advent is by looking back. You see in verses 8 to 11, he writes, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. See, this this beautiful description of a vineyard is a looking back to the story that Israel has with its God. God planted them in good soil. He brought them out of Egypt. He made them into a people. He made them a nation. He tended to them and cared for them. And it said they grew from the river all the way to the sea. So not only does this psalmist remind us of what God's true vision for our lives really is, but he points to the integrity of God's own work. He points to the integrity of God's work. He says, look what you did. You brought us out of Egypt. You made us a people. You gave us a land and planted us here. You made us into your vineyard. Why would you abandon us? And likewise for us as Christians, in this almost symmetrical way, Our hope, the Christian hope, is a looking back. It's a looking back to an objective act of God, as objective as God bringing his people out of Egypt. That act for us is the death and resurrection of his son. That is our exodus. And the more that we turn and look back to it, the more we can galvanize our hope in in a real future with our king. You see, that's how the story of Jesus goes. It's just when the vineyard seemed run over. It's when the family tree sort of is done. It's when Jesus establishes his own line and promises that he will bring his people out, just as he did in Exodus. 
See, so the Advent hope isn't about this frantic preparation for an imagined future, but it's actually a living forth from the victory of what Christ has already promised. It's hope in something objective. And this Advent season, as you go about all of your partying and planning and celebrating and family funning, the thing that you need to hope in is that objective accomplishment in Christ's work on the cross. It's real. It happened. It's historical. You can hope in that. Again, that's not it. There's more. The third way that this psalm teaches us to sustain our hope is by pointing us to the face of God. And this is beautiful. The refrain that's repeated three times throughout this psalm, you might have noticed. It says this, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And in a psalm that is all about God's people being a vineyard, doesn't this make a striking point? Just like an Italian vineyard that's just drenched in the sun, our life of hopeful preparation can only flourish in light of God's face. And this brings us to the next point that we have seen God's face. You realize that. That's what Christmas is. It's when we see God's face. The Virgin Mary bears a son. He's called Emmanuel, God with us. And the simple fact of his showing up is a sure and certain hope that he will grow his vineyard. And this is how it works. This is how he's a guarantee. Because, this is remarkable, he is both the son and he's the vine. He's both the the sustenance for the vineyard and he's the root of the tree. You see what that means? It's like if you had a ref who was also a player on the team, you know what's going to happen. You know who's going to win, right? And so in this Advent season, as we try to gain hope in the objective truth of God's coming again, your hope can shrivel up. You can prepare in all sorts of aimless ways. You can be despairing. But the vineyard will grow. It will grow, and he will delight for you to be a part of it. You see, the cross is so often the way that we think about the Christian hope, and I think that that's right. I mean, I said that just now in in the sermon, but it's also the birth. It's also the birth of Jesus, the coming of the one who can rebuild humans from the inside out, who can also be the vine itself. His coming is the one that guarantees that the project will work, that the vineyard will grow. In the house I grew up in, it was on a, uh, a swamp. And our yard backed up to this swamp. And in the summertime, uh, the, the, the swamp was basically an impenetrable wall of, of trees and vines and bushes. You could hardly go into it. And you had to actively fight it back. It always crept forward into our yard and threatened to take over the whole place. And uh, my dad, who wasn't particularly handy, did not help. But we did, and I did. And it was a battle. It was a battle to push this, uh, this vineyard back. And that's the point. This, the, the vineyard that this psalm describes, it's not a vineyard off of I-95. It's not a scuppernong vine in someone's backyard. It's a vineyard with the beauty of an Italian vineyard sprawling across a landscape. And it's a vineyard with the power of a tropical shrub. It won't be stopped it won't be stopped. Don't you want to see it? Don't you want lasting hope? Be honest to God. Look back at what Jesus has done and bask in the glory of God's face. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.